and we back, and we back, and we back, and we back, and we back. Yeah. Welcome to Departure. My name's Daniel. Let's talk about the Max, the 737 Max. <sighs> yes, I know it's been a while and the news kind of died down. I don't care. I want to talk about the Max. Do you have a problem with that? Okay. Okay, good. Good. Let's get to it. What is up with the Max? To figure out what's up with the Max, you have to travel back in time. All the way back. God, that's a little too far. Um, it's funny, but not quite it. Here we go. The 60s space race, Bay of Pigs, Cuban Missile Crisis, First man walked on the moon. MLK and JFK were assassinated. And also, the first major commercial jet, the 707, was produced. Totally on an equal playing field as the others, definitely. But there was a problem. The 707 wasn't fuel efficient enough to be used widespread. Airlines wanted the plane to be more efficient. So, what's a good way to cut down efficiency? Huh. How about, instead of four engines, do two. Less engines, use less fuel. Do you really want me to explain mechanics of airplane engines right now? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Okay. For simplicity's sake, less engines, use less fuel. Simplicity's sake. And out of that practice, the 737-100 was born. This is the start of an era. The first plane flew in the six in 69. And this small baby 737 that could seat less than 100 people became the monolith that is the 737 family today. That is the most popular, best-selling, most readily available aircraft in the northern, southern, eastern, and western hemispheres. But the 737 isn't alone. There's two competitors. The A320, Airbus is offering to compete against the 737, 
and the 757, which is a little bit of a surprise because it's also in the Boeing's family. And it wasn't meant to compete with the 737. Okay. When the 757 was first conceived and the 737 was first conceived as well, everyone thought that the 737 and the 757 cheap similar sizes, but the 737-100 has grown to larger than the 757. But the 757 still has a trick up its sleeve. Long distance routes. Because the 757 can travel longer distance, a lot longer, and has better performance than the 737. This is more important today because we are switching from a hub and spoke system to a route to route system. Now, back then in the olden days, the hub and spoke system was very prevalent. It was inefficient because all the planes had three engines, four engines, engines on the vertical stabilizer, engines all over the place. They had too many engines. So all the planes were too inefficient. So instead of having routes going from, let's say, Tampa to Raleigh, you would have a layover in an airline's hub Tampa to Atlanta to rally because although there may be 50 people flying the rally, there's 2,000 people in Tampa that day flying somewhere on the eastern seaboard. So that one flight delivers the maximum capacity of people flying from Tampa to Atlanta and then they can split off and branch off. And that 50 going, and that 25 or 50 going to rally from that specific flight meets up with another flight, say from LA, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Seattle, Oakland, the east side, the west side, any side, meets up with that flight from Tampa and now a flight of 50 going to rally has turned into a flight of 200 going to rally. That saved efficiency, it lowered prices, it made the airline industry a lot more simpler. But in the new age of readiness, our lack of patience, and more and more people flying, we are adopting a more route-to-route -route method. Instead of going from Raleigh, again, Lover and JFK to Amsterdam, Instead of having a layover in JFK, you'd have a direct flight from Raleigh to Amsterdam, only you'd use a smaller plane. But the problem is, is that that long distance, that 4,000 nautical miles, can't be served by anything smaller than capacity that supersedes the flight. Besides, Excluding the 757, the only other flight that could, the smallest flight that could service that route would be a 767-300, which has almost doubled the capacity of a 757, which is why the 757 was in a fleet of its own.
because it had the range to fly transatlantic, transcontinental, not even break a sweat, and still have room to spare, and it was the perfect capacity for those smaller, long routes. We in the industry call it long and skinny routes. Now, here's the thing. The 757 was discontinued a long time ago. Boeing had a choice before they discontinued it. We can either make a second revision or we can cancel it. The 757 was not a big seller, not even comparable to the 737. Because back in the day, when everyone was going on the hub and spoke system, there wasn't a need for a long and skinny plane. Like today, it's almost a necessity. So Boeing decided to start from scratch. Boeing decided to start from scratch and build an, an NMA, a new market aircraft. This would serve the market of the 757 only. The plane was built from scratch with all the latest technology. But the problem with that solution is it would take a lot longer than Airbus is competing design, just modifying the A320 series already. So Boeing came up with the solution. Hey, let's have, let's modify the 737. Let's add slightly more efficient engines. Let's add a couple more seats and that'll hold airlines over until we get that NMA flying out. And that's what they did. And that's how the 737 MAX was born. Airbus, on the other side did the exact same thing, only instead of them creating a brand new aircraft, they created another offset of the A320. It's a little confusing. They, their solution to compete with the 757 and Boeing's NMA is to create the A321 XLR, which stands for extra long range. But they also created a new series of A320s called the A320neos, A319neo, A320neo, and A321neo. These aircraft have new engines, hence the name new engine option neo. These neo planes are based off the A320, so the only difference between the A321neo and the A321XLR is increased range, basically, and they both have about the same seating capacity as a 757, which is why it was easier for Airbus to get out the A321XLR faster than the NMA, which is still in development. But there is another problem that has arose. The design of the Boeing 737 doesn't allow such modifications. The nose is too short for them to increase to have better efficient engines. Because at the time, for this time, to add a more efficient engine, it generally means the engine's larger and has a larger inlet to let in more air. So instead of redesigning the plane or holding off, Boeing decided, hey, let's raise the nose gear a little bit. So instead of being level, slanted, yeah, Basically, let's put bigger wheels in the front and let's move the engines up a little bit. That's exactly what they did. 
And that solution led to pitch differences between the old 737 and the new 737. And these pitch differences were so drastic, it required new training that Boeing was trying to discourage with for new pilots. And the solution was to tinker with the software a little bit to make sure that the pitch differences would trans be translated to normal pitch of the old 737. And the software led into the problems that we have had today. The question arises now, would I fly the 737 MAX if it came out again? The answer is yes, two, three times yes, especially in American Airlines. The main reasons why those MAXs crashed was because of shoddy maintenance and lack of documentation and training. Boeing is not going to make the same mistake again with the same series. The 737 MAX has already been tainted. Any other incidents would be devastating to their name and would cement the 737 MAX in as one of the worst failures of in the century of Boeing. Awesome. I just like planes. I don't care. I just like planes. Newer, shinier. Whoa. Oh, I took that to the max. Ooh, it's done. There's no way I'm actually flying the max. That thing's a death trap.